0: I was finally able to say it. And once I said, like, I'm not okay. It just felt like so easy to say, like like for some reason for like 18 years, it just felt like a secret.
1: I'm Lily Cornell-Silver, and welcome to Mind Wide Open, my mental health-focused interview series. This is part two of The Kids Are All Right, the second time I have brought together a group of my friends to talk about mental health from the perspective of our generation. And we are going to talk about topics such as intergenerational trauma, therapy, and the impact of the election on our mental health. Thank you so much for watching, and I hope you enjoy. Hi, you guys. Thank you so much for being here.
2: Hello. What do you
1: I would love to start by y'all can just go around, say your name, how old you are, anything you want to share, um, relevant like your mental health journey, stuff that might be unique to you. Um, hi, I'm Flora. I'm 19 years old. I'm from Seattle. I
3: first experienced suicidal thoughts when I was in like third grade, I think. And then I started therapy that year was kind of in and out of it for a year and then stopped and then was experiencing depressive depression and like anxiety symptoms. Once I started high school and I started going back to therapy on and off in like sophomore year. Um, and I lost a friend to suicide in the middle of my junior year. I started going to therapy a little bit more seriously after that. Um, I was hospitalized later that year. And then in my senior year of high school, I went into a partial hospitalization program for like six weeks.
2: My name is Nathan Zonga and I am twenty two years old. I reside in Seattle, Washington. And you know, um I would consider myself a professional storyteller. So my medium through doing that a lot of the times is like hip-hop or r&b or folk or whatever but like i guess i sort of kind of deal with my mental health just being able to convince myself with writing that everything's going to be okay
4: hi my name's tyra i'm 21 years old i'm from morro bay california mental illness has definitely been a thing in my family um i lost my dad to suicide when i was nine um And I went to therapy for a little bit after that, but stopped within the year after it happened. Um, And then just two years ago in November of 2018, I started therapy at my college. And I've been with the same therapist ever since. She's my homie. Shout out to Dana. Um,
0: (laughs) My name is Daniel Zonga. I'm 19. I'm currently enrolled at Seattle University. Uh, My mental health. You know, we're currently at an eight out of 10, you know, but, you know, I like to describe my mental health as something that's going. Like, even though it goes up or down, either has a good season or a bad season, it's still happening. So that's a plus. And, you know, I like making music because it's something that helps me, like, describe how I'm feeling when I just by myself and literally have no way to say it. And yeah, just then, friends.
5: Um, so my name is Moel Heptai, uh, Moel, like, it's like Noel, but M in the beginning. I'm 19 years old. i um, a student that goes to UCLA. Lots of ups and downs, still learning um, about how to cope with certain things and my masculinity and all that. I'm an inspiring actor and writer. Um, so I make, I write poems, um, write scripts for like little short films I'm like going to make in the future.
6: Hi, guys. Or hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Julia Kong. And my pronouns are she, her. I'm 21 years old and I'm from Los Angeles, California. I just started therapy uh, the summer of 2019 and have been doing it on and off for almost a year now. And I'm currently a lot better and still in therapy.
1: I appreciate the emphasis that all of you put on like therapy and how important it's been in, in different facets and would love to maybe even go more in depth just about like your guys' experiences with therapy what the outcomes have been negative
4: positive anything like that I remember being in high school I had a couple friends who were going to therapy and I was like I always remember just kind of like anytime they'd be like oh I, like I just got back from my therapist appointment like like I don't even, I can tell you what, but it's similar to how I'm like, oh, I love Dana. Like my mm-hmm. friends would be talking about their therapist. And I'm like, therapy, I'm like, whatever, that's for <laughs> rich. Folks. That's for the rich folk. Um, but then I started warming up to it more and more and more, just like hearing their experiences with it. And I was like, okay, like maybe, maybe this is something that like I'll, I'll look into later on. And then I just remember, remember it was my sophomore year of college. I had gone through like a big transition cause I just decided to like quit swimming after swimming. I had been swimming since I was like three years old. That brought up all these really hard emotions that I didn't know how to navigate or deal with. Um, and I was suddenly like, I was like, okay, I'm not an athlete anymore. I was like, who am I? And I was just going through this crisis but I was also working multiple jobs while being a full-time student while trying to like, you know, have a social life. So I just was having a really hard time learning like time management and then also like just emotionally checking in with myself and being there for myself so much stress is just caused by not having a name to describe what it is that you're feeling and what it is that you're going to but i've been rambling so <laughs> <laughs> good, yes say it to the world therapy is great it should be more accessible make it happen people
6: i started therapy pretty recently so <laughs> um in high school i only had one other friend and we bonded a lot because we both, I don't know if this is weird, but we bonded over having like a mental illness and how, like he was the only person I ever talked to about it. And he would just tell me like, Julia, try therapy, like therapy just change my life. Try therapy. And I was like, no, it's weird. You know, the usual response. Um, and it took me a year to just, okay, I want therapy. And then it took me another year of, should I tell my mom? she she could just very well like laugh in my face and be like, you don't need that. And that could just be the end of the conversation. And I know that would make me feel terrible. And that is kind of what happened just like for what, like, why do you need therapy? Mm-hmm. And I was at a point where I was so tired of being alone with the way that I felt that I just, I was willing to try anything. So when I was 15, I went to a therapist. I found Just like the first one that popped up on Google near me. And I was so ready to just share everything. So I just like let everything out in the hour and bawled. And I just hated seeing the exchange of like my mom writing a check and then handing it to the therapist, like right in front of me. And I was like, therapy's not for me. I tried it. It's bad. Hmm. Um, And then maybe four years later, when I was 19, I was in an abusive relationship. And that relationship triggered so much. I felt suicidal thoughts and I felt way more anxious than I'd ever been in college. And so I was just like, oh, I don't know what's going on. So I saw online therapy that I found out through like kind of social media influencers or people who talk about mental health online. And like my life dramatically changed. I feel like dialogue with my family and, like, my relationship with my family has never been more open or, like, healed as it is now. Um, and, yeah, I still see my therapist.
3: So when I started therapy in, like, third grade, I thought that therapy was for, like, crazy people. So I was, like, no, don't send me there. And I hated it. And I didn't know how to talk about my feelings or emotions or anything like that. Um, so I basically convinced my parents to let me stop after, like, a couple months. Um And then I think when I got a little bit older, I was very lucky to like be around a lot of people that were like relatively comfortable talking about their mental health and like knew a fair amount of people that were like very open about being in therapy. So then in like high school, I was like, maybe I should go to therapy again, like try it out. And it was definitely still a very like unnatural feeling and took me a couple therapists to like find one that I really liked and like worked well with. And then by the end of my junior year I think I had a better understanding of like how to use therapy to like actually help me like work through things and kind of cope with whatever was going on.
1: That's that's so funny that you'd say that about being in like third grade and being no I don't want to tell anyone I go to therapy because <laughs> and I have gone we went to school together from like yeah. <laughs> four or five or something until like eighth grade and um I remember saying to my therapist like no no one I know goes to therapy like I'm embarrassed because none of my friends go to therapy and she was like are you sure and now that I'm older I found out like we were all in therapy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and none of us talked about it because we were all like yeah. oh like that's you know especially as a little kid you're like you don't want to like
4: normalize you know, therapy for children exactly, uh, exactly. I want to see a bunch of third graders like yo let me tell you what went down my my therapy appointment.
1: Right. I can't imagine how different my experience would have been. Like, cause like I said, I've been in therapy since I was seven. And like, that was such an important part of me building a vocabulary around my emotions, like understanding what it was that I was feeling. And I know like something that I've talked about with some of you guys and that I've talked about with others is like the lack of mental health conversation in the black community specifically. And I'm wondering if that's something that you guys have experienced And if so, what that looks like.
0: I feel like. We're taught at a very young age, like throughout and throughout, with all the pain that we've been through as black America, that like we just had to tough it up and always had to be strong, like like racism now is looks like paradise compared to back then, like tough it up. I feel like that's what we're dealing with. But just looking around, especially this summer, just seeing like a lot of. Just traumas just like happening, just seeing like killings online and just a bunch of like deaths. It's like to me, like it's not normal to like see that. So I feel like the Black community in itself can get very quiet about
2: mental health issues.
1: Is that something that you guys talked about like in your families growing up? Because I know everyone has different experiences with that.
2: Like growing up. It was just sort of kind of frowned upon talk about what you had going on unless it was good if you got something good going on, tell us, but if not fix it and fix it fast before somebody hears about it so we can shame you
5: yeah like my dad I remember I was like I was going through it and my dad came in my room I think he knew I was going through it, but he just did like didn't know how to like deal with it so he just knocks down the door open and he's like, Hey, are you depressed? I'm like, and I, I can't just straight up. be like, yeah, I'm depressed. You know, just, we never talked about this. I'm like, no, no. I'm like, I'm fine. It's like, good, good. I was like, why? He's like, don't be depressed. I was like, well, I mean, you can't really control that. And he's like, well, depressed is not good for you. I'm like, Oh, all right. I, I won't be depressed. Like, you know, but it's like, it's like, even if they like knew about like, except bet they know, I bet they know that, um, like your mental health can get bad you know what I mean but it's just they don't know how to like deal with it how to like help Mm -hmm. their child get through it because they had no one to help them you know what I mean and Mm -hmm. same thing with Nathan I I was just blessed to have good friends and like good teachers and mentors to help me out and really like see where my like you know traumas and problems like stem from and where they're at because you can't fix a problem if you don't know where it starts
2: I don't think we really talked about like growing up around the house, we didn't really talk very much about mental health issues. It was sort of kind of like a taboo thing for sure. Growing up, like being first gen, like that's not, it's not, I don't know. Like my parents just sort of kind of work super hard and then come home and vibe, work, 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 work. Oh, well, did your parents ever hit you with, am I your friend? I'm not one of your little friends. (laughs) <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> like like yeah. i don't know like i get it on the standpoint of like yo like there's a parent child aspect to this at all but like why can't we <laughs> like i don't know i don't feel like i told my parents that much about like who i really really was type thing because like the idea of i'm not necessarily your friend
5: 100 percent. like our parents and this is probably everybody is their parents like don't truly know who you are you know what i mean and it's because like one, like, there's that barrier, like, especially when your parents are constantly like, oh, I'm not your friend. Like, I'm your, I'm your mom, I'm your dad. Like, treat me like I'm your mom and your dad. You know what I mean? That's a huge barrier that prevents you to, like, be able to talk to your parents about serious stuff. That itself is a very traumatic thing because it's like, you grow up in a household where you can't be yourself and talk, like, and speak your own mind.
1: That's something that I've done, like, been researching a lot in doing this is how, like, familial origin... Dictates like your mental health a little bit. So that's something that like I'm super fascinated by is that balance in parenting. Because I can't imagine like as parents, it's easy at all. You know, like you were saying, Daniel, like, you know, I think all parents, most parents would wish the best for their children in that regard. But like, where is that boundary between still being like an authority figure, you know, and maintaining the boundary between like parent and child, but then also opening a space where you can like talk about mental health the idea of like intergenerational trauma, that's something that is becoming more and more talked about and more and more studied, especially within the black community. Um, but just intergenerational trauma in general is something that I think we're having like a deeper understanding about. Um, so similar vein, just curious, like if that's something that you feel like has affected your own mental health journeys.
3: Honestly, I feel like the biggest theme where I hear people talk about intergenerational trauma is just how much they wish that they had like heard about it sooner. I have always considered myself to be a very like driven and motivated person. And like Tyra said, like I very much like dealt with things by like, I'm going to fill up my schedule and I'm going to do something all the time so that I never have to like stop. I never have to rest. I don't have to think about it. Like all of that has to do with like my dad's experiences and my grandparents' experiences moving to America, being high school students that went to school all day and then worked two different jobs all night and like didn't speak the language that they were being taught in and like worked so hard to get things for my dad and my aunt and then so that my dad could give me all the things that he's been able to give me you know and so it's like there's so much for that to me for me to unpack to be able to like let myself take a break and like learn how to rest and relax a little bit more and like understand that that's like healthy for me and that it's okay. And that like, I deserve to be able to like take a step back and take a break for a little bit.
2: And my parents are just on some, like we worked our butts off to get over here. So like you better work your butt off to be somebody over here. And like, that brings a lot of pressure just on some like, wow, you -hmm. gotta, I don't know. Like, you're always trying to be the perfect idea of what they want type thing. But in a perfect world, my parents would have had four doctors, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, the first generation just,
0: like, coming here and being new to America, they, like, and, like, they're kind of new to all, like, new to talking about mental health So they don't know how to speak on it. Like, I'm sure they probably want to. And it's not like they wake up every day and be like, yeah. I hope my kid's mental health is bad. It's like, they probably do want to help, but it's just like not having the resources and that can be frustrating for them. So they just don't know how to act on it.
6: Like in my DNA, like I'm Chinese, but my family were born and raised, like my great, great grandparents were born and raised in Myanmar or Burma, which is in Southeast Asia. And so just in like a bunch of Asian countries in general, there's like a huge weird identity shift where people look Chinese but they don't identify with being Chinese at all. Like my last name is Chinese. My parents look Chinese, but they don't speak Mandarin or any Chinese language. Um, They only know Burma and Burmese. Like I had a complete erasure of just being Burmese and like never tried to learn the language. Like my parents sent me to Chinese school. Um, I hung out with like other East Asian kids. Depending on my environment, as I grew up, it was like, It was more accepted to be one than the other, or I have to like turn on a switch to be the other um, culture.
4: For me, yeah, I grew up with a a Black mom and a white dad. My parents had like a a strained relationship, and then I lost my dad young. Um, And I know for me, there's already so much like just growing up in a predominantly white beach town and being non-white. Like, <laughs> that's uh, traumatic in and of itself. Um, mm-hmm. And oftentimes being the only, you know, big brown person, period, like non-white person in the classroom, but like, especially like being Black, um, growing up was really hard. So many times I've been in like, predominantly Black spaces. And it's like, the, one of the first thing that I said is like, okay, but you're mixed, right? And then I'm like, ah, no, it's like we being, had to do that? Yeah,
3: I'm like the white kid in the Filipino space. I'm like, mm.
4: <laughs> like you couldn't give me five minutes, dog. Yeah. <laughs> I was feeling like a part of some community. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I feel like something that resonated with me with me, something I saw from like your first uh episode. And that's like when I started just like wanting to like research more and just think about it more. It's just like how everyone around you could just like sit there and just you know act like everything's fine because you know you always act like things are fine but it's in the moments where you're alone where you think and you have that time to process and you don't have friends to distract you where you had to like deal with these problems and I think that's something quarantine has forced me a lot to Mm -hmm. deal with said problems because you can't really like go out that much and try to like distract yourself and you know it's really been a lot and definitely had those moments where you where I could have crossed the line but I think that's when I had people I was able to talk to and like finally released the weight off my shoulders and shout out to moel because moel was definitely someone I talked to and he helps me a lot you know late night conversations driving and just like really helped me get that stress and it felt like I was finally able to say it. And once I said like I'm not okay. It just felt like so easy to say. Like like for some reason for like 18 years it just felt like a secret for like everyone could tell. But like it's a, like no one ha- no one can know that I'm not okay. I have to be this, I had to be happy all the time. Everyone has to look at me to get a laugh. Like I wanna be that bright light for people but like I was ne- never able to tell people that I wasn't okay
1: and that's something that I think is is so huge is that like I felt similar Daniel in that feeling of like I want to be a light in people's lives like I want to be positive energy like I want to continue to like uplift people and it took time to learn that like struggling and like being a bright light in people's lives is not mutually exclusive. You know, like that's the, you're completely entitled to those feelings. And like, that's something that everybody experiences and that doesn't negate your ability to be a positive force in other people's lives.
5: I, I could always feel that I wasn't hundred percent. Okay. You know, but nobody te- like nobody has like taught me how to be okay. You know what I mean? So I just gotta try to figure out my own. So after the whole thing with my dad, when I was younger, I thought putting my like emotions and stuff away was the best option. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Then I lost my uncle, who like more on like father figure, um, freshman year to cancer, and then also I'm a middle child, but like technically seen as the oldest in my family because my other older sister, she's a year older, but she is autistic, so I grew up taking care of her. You know, so um, the whole like older sibling. Like, that was all up on my shoulder. Mm -hmm. And so when my um, uncle passed away and my sister, um, my older sister had to move into a group home because we financially couldn't take care of her. And, like, because it's expensive because she needs, you know, extra attention and extra help. So um, losing her and my, like, uncle kind of, like, in the same, it was, like, in the same, like, month really, like, messed with me, you know? And then I think I talked to Daniel and I think Daniel, okay. So, and Daniel has grew a lot too. All right. So cause first <laughs> time I talked to Daniel, he kind of giggled when I was talking to him about this. And this is the first time I'm ever opening up to anyone. Right. right. And, he, and it's not like, Oh, like hot. It's like, what you're going through is funny. It's just, he was like, also uncomfortable. And then, so I was just like, dang, like I can't even open up to my best friend without him. Like, Making a joke, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But like once we matured and talked about it, and like we really understood where we we're coming from, you know, all it's all about communication. But the thing is, I don't need to be okay with Daniel, you know what I mean. And mm-hmm. and I, like having a person where you just don't need to be okay with is so like it's much needed. It's much needed.
1: Uh, and I think that really directly speaks to like the way that men are taught to like deal with mental health in society as well, which is something that I would love to talk about with you guys. Cause that's, yeah, I just, I think that's so fascinating and and that you guys both were probably taught similar lessons around like masculinity and, and mental health. And like you said, Daniel chuckling it off, but like learning to be vulnerable with each other and having someone that you can learn how to do that with is like so beautiful and so, so, so important. It like toxic masculinity is just like, it's just something I
0: guess it's just like a don't ask, don't tell. And like, you're just always Mm -hmm. supposed to just put like, you're always supposed to be like, quote unquote, brave. And just like being down is a weakness. But I feel like once you figure out just like being down, like makes you human Mm -hmm. instead of like being a robot all the time and always being happy. Like that's when you have better friendships, when you have better relationships, because you're more genuine. Agreed.
1: So I feel like our generation is disproportionately affected by mental health issues because we have a lot on our shoulders, like worried about stuff like socioeconomically worried about stuff politically, like climate related, social justice related, like racial justice related. So in this new, like post election world, how are we feeling mental health wise?
2: Uh, The world has been wild all year. Um, And it's been dope, like as terrible as things have been, it's been dope to see how many of my friends care and how many of my friends were trying to check up up on me and how many of my friends were out there signing petitions and stuff like that because it's just like hard watching people get murdered on tape every other day. But it's just like, I don't know, it was dope that we got Donnie out of office And, like, that was a big up and up for everybody. But, like, I don't know, politicians have been gaslighting us for centuries upon centuries. So it's, like, kind of hard to immediately be like, yeah, Biden's won. Our problems are over. My mental health is out of 10.
1: And I wanted to clarify something, too. I have had a lot of people um, comment on my videos because you know, we, the, the topic of politics has come up a lot in my conversations about mental health through the series. And I've had a lot of people say like, you know, mental health is something for everybody. Like, why, why do you have to bring politics into it? Um, and I understand why, that is said, because ideally, politics and mental health would not would not be something that have to coexist as closely as they do now. But especially if if you're you know a part of a marginalized community in the United States, the results of this election and just politics in general have such a direct effect on mental health.
3: I definitely relate to that. I've been feeling very like nihilistic, honestly, in regards to the election, because I was like, regardless of who wins we need more change (laughs) and Mm -hmm. I'm like not satisfied necessarily with anyone that was running I guess with the election I was very much like I need to just like realize that I don't have control over that right now and like kind of sit with that and like find ways to distract myself so I was watching Marvel movies the day of the election (laughs) like I need to just like not (sighs) deal with that right now
4: yeah, stress, anxiety, like that whole week was like I don't think I realized until the end of the week like how much tension I was just like holding in my body. Mm-hmm. Um and and then that was stressful too. It's like stuff like that where you're like you realize later of like, oh like this was really like affecting me. And then that brings on stress because you're it's like depressing. It's just like more and more depressing. It's like how much bad news can we get? Um and and two, also juggling like I don't know, um, going to like a like a liberal arts college. For my school specifically, we're like social justice warriors, so it's like constant, constant critical thinking, which is great. But also, it's like it was hard to be on social media like Saturday of that week, and like the reality is like you know neither not we didn't have great options period we didn't have great options you know what I mean like having to balance that um but also was challenging the day like Saturday because there's so much on social media like that was really negative about the outcome I've found it challenging to like stay caught up on current events and and stay informed on what's happening and also like maintaining my my mental well-being like i found that really challenging yeah
5: the whole election week was draining, you know, so draining. And the same, just like how it wasn't even like a blowout, you know, like it was still close. Like, don't get me wrong. Like Joe Biden, I would not be like, yo, like this is my guy. This is my candidate. This is like, I want. you know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. like, yo, I really just, I'm, I really don't want Trump to win. You know what I mean? Cause it's, it's not even like a lesser of like two evils because there's no, it's, it's not even like you can't compare them. You know what I mean? One mm-hmm. Clearly, like way worse than the other. You know what I mean? And for someone to say that, to be like, oh, like either one can win, it'll be fine. Like my life won't change. That's a privilege. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that your life is easy. It's just a privilege to be able to even to say, oh yeah, the election can go either way, and I'm fine. You know what I mean? It just and usually the people who would say that are people who are white or straight. You know, and a man. You know,
0: like last year and this year, whenever I see a American flag, like. I'm just like check my surroundings. Like, what am I doing wrong? Is my hoodie on, take the hoodie off, hands out, you know.
2: Mm.
0: And it's really cause like I was born here. Like I'm as American as someone else. So the fact that like I see my own flag as, you know, caution sign. This really shows a lot of like where we were, no matter like what side you are on. This is How divided we were.
2: Mm -hmm. And
0: that takes a toll on you mentally for sure. What are some things that help you with your
6: mental health? Just doing like solo mental stuff. Like I haven't picked up a book to just read for pleasure. Like all year until last week. I think one of the biggest ones for me is just being outside.
2: We got runs. Runs are nice. Jump roping. Mm -hmm. Jump roping is fun. Any sport in particular? Dope.
4: Um, fuzzy blankets, great way to cope. It's just like wrapping <laughs> myself up like a little burrito, baby.
5: A cool thing that like just helps is like even if it's just like a self care day, you know what I mean?
0: I started setting alarm clocks for myself. Like I have an alarm clock at eight a.m. to pick up my hair, you know. And you know, <laughs> I feel like I'm doing something with my, you know. I'm just like looking in the mirror, just ooh.
2: Ooh, look at you, look at you. <laughs> yeah, you got to find little things to celebrate yourself with every day. Every day, once you, you go to sleep, you should like be able to say, okay, my W was, oh man, my hair was nice this morning. Uh, <laughs> I went on my run, swag. Uh, I went to work earlier today. That's a W, I got paid. Uh, like You just got to look for the, all of the
1: good in the madness of the world. It's huge. We're talking about these things. We're talking about these things that are so important. Thank you guys so much. I love you. That was awesome.
6: Thank you so much, Lily. (laughs) Of course. Thank you. Swag.
1: I love you guys. If you like this episode, please subscribe in Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave us a review.